Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and this week we take a look at the full-on musical, The Greatest Showman, starring Hugh Jackman as P.T. Barnum. We also discuss one of the more important films of the year. It's called The Post, starring Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. And the Oscar goes to... We'll talk through the hits and the misses of the recent Oscar nominations. And I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. I loved every minute of today's featured films, so we will pair with two wines I also can't get enough of. A classic champagne from Veuve Clicquot and a Napa Valley favorite from Chateau Montalena. Oh, this is fun for me because I love both you of love those. You love both of these, oh, I know. I, oh, the stories we can tell around both of those things. <laughs> so let's talk about The Greatest Showman. It's Hugh Jackman. It's Michelle Williams. A smiling, happy Michelle Williams. It was so good to see her smile. <laughs> she is so great at playing tragic. Manchester yes. by the Sea, nominated oh, yes. for an Oscar. Yeah. Just cries like a baby in well, and almost we, every movie she's in. We saw her in Blackbird that played last year that it was like you could just tell the emotion that 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 was pulled out of her every she left every ounce of her on the stage but man it's just so dark and blackbird so yeah black you said blackbird on stage yeah. in, in, new in new york, york yes and uh i've never seen anybody just completely fully break down yeah yeah like almost like that that's what it was yeah wasn't that just, what it was called yeah I think it was called blackbird yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about it on the show last year yeah this also has zach efron in it who's very good in it and it has kiala jones settle who was born in Hawaii, that's the bearded lady, Yeah. who was born in Hawaii, which is cool. And uh, she sings that song, This Is Me. She starred on Broadway in Hands on a Hard Body and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And that Swedish singer, Jenny Lind, Mm -hmm. which is a really great part in this, uh, Mm -hmm. is played by Rebecca Ferguson. So it's a full-on musical, and the opening scene I like so much because it reminds me a little bit of Stomp and a little bit of what, you know, a little bit of... Of like classic Hollywood big musical productions. It's classic Hollywood with kind of newfangled choreography, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a combination of the old and new. And of course, the music is from the, the, from the people that did La La Land and Dear Evan Hansen mm-hmm. on, on Broadway. And by the way, this is directed by Michael Gracie, who I've never heard of in my life. It's a first-time film for him. And what a first-time film. Uh, he's next directing a biopic on Elton John called Rocket Man. Nice. I can't wait to yeah. see what he does with that. Yeah. But as a full-on musical, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've been this happy in a movie theater in a long, long time. La La Land kind of made me happy. Yeah, we love La La, La La Land. La La had that kind of bittersweet, you know, ending. Yeah, everybody to it. wanted a different ending to La La Land, but it yeah. was the right ending. And they, and a lot of people are angry because it wasn't singing in the rain. But right. this is really old-fashioned. It's also, I want to say PG or PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really clean. It has a little bit of conflict because yeah. he forms in the eighteen hundreds. P.T. Barnum, played by. The great Hugh Jackman, who is who's great in this, and and well, he, it, he 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 forms a group of what do you what do misfits you, misfits, and they call themselves misfits. Yeah. You know, it's a bearded lady, and it's a tattooed person, and it's the tallest and the tall man, and, and the, the short person, and the, the strong yeah. yeah. But but there's something I think that as as we talk about, I think both films today. Are, are again came out at perfect timing, kind of like we've talked about all of the the very strong female leads that in films that that have come out this year. You know, this film is a reflection of what we're dealing with in today's world, as much as they dealt with it in the 1800s, which I guess just means that we never actually learn anything because we just keep repeating the exact same thing over and over. And that if you if you look different and you act different and you're not how everybody else sees that you should be. Then there's something wrong with you. You're not American. Then and or, I, yeah. you know, it's it, it it gets into this whole, uh, you know, you're different, so you're not as good as me, 
and and riots and fights and and such broke out within you know this time period as they continue to and that's all wrapped up into a really joyful musical. I think that's very well spoken. I, I agree everything what you said. I mean, this this, this is such a microcosm of uh, uh, the discussion today on immigration, the mm-hmm. d- discussion today on white supremacism, the discussion today on non-inclusion. Right. You speak our language or you leave. And and these people all are from all over the world. And he forms a family unit with them. Right. And and. Listen, in the early days of this, I, I just think it's extraordinary. They tried, they tried to burn the whole theater down. Right. There's, it's just, and then they sing. And when she stands on the edge with her on the sta- edge of the stage with her beard, mm-hmm. and she sings that song, "This Is Me," I think it's a powerful moment yeah. in film. The, the thing I've been getting from, I've been getting some emails from some friends who who say, "I, I took my kids, and my kids can't stop talking about this movie." Mm-hmm. And they get it. They get all the messages of it. They well, and understand. there's also it, it is a weird thing, you know. There's a joy in there's a joy in the the inclusion of this. I think it's kind of how you have to think of of it's. I love it because it's like it's it's a very old fashioned celebration of something that I love today, and that Cirque du Soleil. Like I can't to see it. To see a circus in its in its traditional format now makes me very sad. I can't go and, and see a circus because I feel bad for the animals. Right. But it's why Cirque du Soleil, I think, has also been such an incredible hit and and expanded as much as it has because there are all of these people that that have these incredible talents, these very unique abilities. But where do they fit in? And they all speak different languages. And they all speak to then, which is why Cirque has its own language and has created each mm-hmm. show is actually it's a, a completely unique language in and of itself with some French and English kind of weaved in. But but it's it's all of these people that that otherwise you know what would they do and where would they be? And instead, they're given this ability to showcase their talents and celebrate and and then be celebrated. And and you see that. In this film, I think with with every with everybody on their feet in the stands of mm-hmm. of of the circus. I think you said something that I it just dawned on me. At the every time we see a Cirque du Soleil show, at the very end when they all come out and take their final bow, and we all wave and we make eye contact and we wave. And they at take them. their yes, if they have a hat on, yeah. they take their hat off, like so you can actually see them kind of almost out of. And costume. they smile and make an instant connection with the audience at the end of the show. At the end of the Greatest Showman, I felt like I wanted to wave from the theater at all. Yeah. I felt the same way. My heart was kind of filled up with. Just how how cool is this, and how good are these people at what they do? Anyway, well, and kind of one that. little side note: we yeah. did see this in in the theater, and and I liked how at the very beginning of the film, Hugh Jackman and the director sat there and said, "Thank you for for coming to the theater. Thank you for paying for your ticket. Thank you for seeing this in this format." Which I also kind of appreciate, just in today's world of piracy and and so many things getting out there without um, without. It being legal, yeah. It, that was that. I still remember that. You know, we saw this several several weeks. I don't ago, think I've ever seen that. that. Before. I don't exactly. Yeah, where so, they agree right before the movie. Uh, I'm going to say as a final note on the Greatest Showman. It opened not very well, and then word of mouth within two weeks. Now this film was well over two hundred million dollars. Love it worldwide. It's a big hit. Go run to the theater. Yeah, and see we it. we yeah. really did. If you're a musical lover like we are, it's you'll be very satisfied. So for this joyful, effervescent, sparkling, happy. You know, bubble seems appropriate. There's a scene in this film where he kind of makes a a a, a light show 
um, for one of his daughters, Hugh Jackman does. Um, and all of a sudden it looks like there are stars dancing around, uh, uh, you know, kind of sheets that are drying. And it just is so sparkling and joyful and happy that it seemed a bubble was appropriate. Um, I'm going to choose one of my favorites for today, Vu Clicquot. We've talked about uh, Vu Clicquot and Madame Clicquot a few times on the show, but today we're going to pair with the Brut Rosé, mainly just because I love that wine so much. We had it at a friend's wedding not too long ago again, and it's just this beautiful wild cherry and strawberry and kind of spicy ginger notes and a little bit of, of, a, of a tangerine and an orange kind of blossom note. It's just so... It's everything that that I love in a great rose, sparkling rosé wine within the history and the celebration of, of Madame Clicquot. Again, you know, P.T. Barnum was was down and out. He hadn't he didn't know what he was going to do when when Madame Clicquot took over the the champagne house because her husband had died. It's like, you know, you're a woman. Can you do this? Are you going to be able to to take this business to the next level? And hard work and determination and focus made it happen. And, you know, it's it's one of the, the most recognizable brands, I think, today. It's And it's consistently always, always delicious. Always good. Yeah. In fact, when the, somebody shows up with Viv Clicquot, yeah. And the, I mean, you know, the yellow label is out there. It's, it's, you can yeah. find it everywhere. It's always around yeah, $40 but that or $50. Rose is. But the rosé, I just love so much. And again, I think it's the, the little hint of a spicy note. Again, maybe to kind of tie into some of our spicy characters uh, that makes this one in particular. Well, when you talk about Madame Clicquot yes. and just making that happen and the determination, that reminds me of Meryl Streep. Yeah. Coming up in this next film. Yeah. It's called The Post. Very much so. It's called The Post. When it stars Meryl St- I'm going to say Meryl Streep's name first, Tom Hanks second. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. It's got Bob Odenkirk in it. It's got the great Tracy Letts in it, who's also in Lady Bird. It's got Bradley Whitford in it, who is the father in, uh, ooh, the bad guy, the bad guy dad in Get Out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was on West Wing. And it's got Sarah Paulson, who was in the OJ series, mm-hmm. who actually won the Emmy uh, for mm-hmm. OJ. And it's set in the 70s, Nixon era. It's, it's really trying to get a hold of the Pentagon Papers. And you have the Washington Post competing with the New York Times. The New York Times being the big dog, the Washington Post being a wannabe newspaper. And Ben Bradley, the great Ben Bradley, uh, who's been played in many films before, and this played by Tom Hanks, is just trying to do great, straight, award-winning, forward-thinking journalism. Tell the truth, dig to it. This is investigative journalism. And, and, of course, the Nixon era, Nixon hated the press, uh, warred against the press, not unlike now. It's, in fact, it's very much like right now. Mm-hmm. We, we uh, demonize the press and make sure the press is, they're all bad and they're all horrible because they don't believe the way we believe. And that's exactly what Nixon did. And then you have a female at the center of this film, which is Kay Graham, and she's the, she's the publisher. And she runs in those circles with all those men. That really she's don't like her. Yeah, she's, she's a socialite. socialite. She's wealthy, but she's—I don't want to say she's learning, but it's—it's a, it's a time in our country where she stopped and said, "No, I'm going to do this, well, and I'm think, going to compete with this." And I think it was, as, and I'm going to do the right thing. But she—it was a time for her to figure out who she was going to be. You right. know, she took over. She took over the paper because her husband had passed away. Because her father had left the paper to her husband instead of to her, which also, you know, timing. Um, 
it's it's nice. Hopefully we've moved past that thought process. It's like if you you can't have a if you're a king and you have a, a daughter, she can't be queen. It's that kind of yeah. mentality that you know a man has to run this business. Which, um, and all of a sudden, she had a lot of advisors around her, basically telling her what to do because she's a woman and oh, right. you're a woman. This is what you need to do. You're not capable of sorting through like, all. Like oh, this. don't you just go to your little tea and have have right. have your your ladies write a big and we'll fat check and leave us alone. And it's just this whole mentality that thank goodness a strong female stood up and said, no, you know what? I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to make this decision. I love, there's a scene uh, that I think is with, with um, Mike, the, Michael Stuman. Is it he? I think yeah, that he's, he's, in this he's, too, yeah. he's kind of her, one of her dear advisors. He is. And, and she kind of looks at him and says, you know, thank you. Thank you for your advice. But it's, yeah, I appreciate your advice, but this is my decision. Yeah. It's not yours. Yeah. And it's such a great moment because it's like here she's very refined and 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 put together in this very, you know, 60, 70 socialite kind of way yeah. that then says, you know what? I, I've got this. I'm good. I'm I don't good. need you. I appreciate you, but I don't need you. And they so, got a hold of the papers. And they got a hold of the papers. And, you know, because we they, we were all being duped about the Vietnam War. And we were being duped uh, for many generations, actually, about this. And, and to find those papers and to publish those and to talk about it and, and make that an open discussion. I think it's it's that battle between journalism and government. And if you do your job right and if the government is doing it wrong, journalism should always win. And I just think this is so important right now. Well, and it's something we've both worked in this profession, exactly. and and we see the garbage that's out there. But we see through that garbage because there are a handful of people doing it really well right. and doing it right, and and they're solid and and they're good. And investigative journalism, uh, hopefully, not going to become a thing of the past because it's so expensive to do. But those smart and right and good thinking people that are out there to actually tell the truth, I think we'll hang on to that tradition. I hope so. Yeah, because that was something you know for so long, especially when I was in my news days, like that you hung your hat on your investigative team. Like that was the that was the whole bread and butter. You know, yeah. investigative journalism would they would take months to create. You know, to finally be able to to tell one story, and who you know, what newsroom gives anyone that kind of time anymore? What what whether it be print or or TV or or really anything like who is who's allowed who's allowed that luxury? And yet, for so long, that's that's like the whole heart of of true journalism. Yeah, and it's not about being liked; it's about telling the truth. Telling the truth. Yeah, we'll all adjust to it if you just tell the truth. Exactly. Yeah, so I like that. It's about un- un- uncovering the Pentagon Papers and making that happen. Yeah, I think your reference also with with Madame Clicquot and Meryl Streep's character Kay Graham in this it's it's a perfect, actually perfect pairing. But I wanted to have a bubble with Greatest Showman, so let's yeah. drink a good hearty cab because to me this this film is nominated for Best Picture as is Meryl Streep in this year's Oscars. And I kind of always think of, you know, what's your best picture of the year with a great hearty cab and, and, or uh, whether it be a Bordeaux, whether it be a Napa cab, whether it be just something, but kind of that iconic wine that you're going to remember immediately. I go to a lot of Napa just because we, we do drink a lot of Napa and celebrate Napa and Chateau Montalena is one of our favorites. Thank you. About the same time that, that all of this was happening, actually Chateau Montalena, though it, it was founded originally in the late 1800s, had its kind of rebirth. And that's when Jim Barrett came and purchased the historic estate in Calistoga in 69. 
um, as we know, because we've we celebrate and have talked about many times before their 1973 Chardonnay won the Judgment of Paris, and uh, I think 76 the the Judgment of Paris occurred, and it was voted the the best Chardonnay in the world. It beat out all the the fabulous Burgundy whites that you know the French just couldn't understand. Um, but it's really their cab that we have, it's, as we sit here on this beautiful island in, in Hawaii, I can't, you know, every, I have so many memories of us enjoying a bottle of Chateau Montalena Cabernet, uh, who all I having dinner, which is our kind of magic place. Also, and, uh, the early days of you and I dating, that was a monumental yeah. Stop. Yes, when we when one you of our, first took me to Napa yeah. with you, the, and, and and I was hanging on for dear life. <laughs> we, and and it's I think it it kind of celebrates both the history of of Napa Valley. You know, at the time, there were only about twenty five or thirty working wineries in in Napa in those days. There 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 were a lot of vineyards planted, but there were just as many orchard tree. There were prune trees and there mm-hmm. were walnut trees. And and the money really at the time wasn't in vineyards. The, it had been, but then that horrible thing that we did to ourselves called prohibition kind of destroyed, you know, the entire wine industry of in America early on. And then there was this kind of rebuilding. And and so as, as vineyards kind of took Hold again, and viticulture in Napa became something really uh, that you could that you could make money with. All of a sudden, vineyards were being planted, and and these orchards and 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 nut trees were were pulled out, and and even that decision was a tough one because farmers had to decide: okay, do I take a risk or do I stay with a crop that's that's been you know really yeah. consistent for me. Um, we love Chateau Montalena. We celebrate Chateau Montalena. This, you know, beautiful kind of cassis and cherry and earthy leather and dark chocolate. It's just a really good classic. It's one of my favorite wines in the world. Yeah. yeah I mean, really, that's a go-to wine for me. It's and and if you can afford it and get a little bit of vintage on it, yeah. it's really yeah. stunning. So, you know, I'm going to make a comment about The Post, too, because we're tying this, this wine to The Post, the movie. We just spent a few minutes talking about a movie and its ideas and not really about the actors, and I love that. Because yeah. all these actors serve the film. They're not greater than the film. Meryl Streep, a lot of people think she's greater than everything, and she's not. She serves it, and that's a very it's a great well, ensemble. It's just perfect. Cast. I think yeah. I, I love that we spent that time talking about it. When we return on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, a conversation about the recent Academy Award nominations. So many films, so little time, <laughs> including what surprised us and what disappointed us. And one, one thing is for sure, it was a banner year for women in film, and we will be right back. And welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. The 90th Academy Awards will take place in Hollywood on Sunday night, March the 4th. And earlier this week, the impressive list of nominees were announced, and that includes nine films up for Best Picture. And The Shape of Water leading everyone with 13 nominations. That's one shy of the record. So let's talk through some of these nominations. And let's start with Best Actress, because I think it's a great year for women in Mm -hmm. film. Let's do the ladies first. And the nominees are for Best Actress, Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie for I, Tonya. Sharsha Ronan for Lady Bird. Well done. <laughs> and Meryl Streep, well-deserved for The Post. I have no problem with every one of those yeah. nominations. Yeah, 
I look at every one of them. I I kind of like that Margot Robbie got got nominated. That I that one surprised me a little bit though. She's fantastic in Itania. It's it's gosh, such a dark 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 film. But a lot of you know that's a comedy for a lot of people, yeah, and for us, it was a real was, stressful comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's that's the evil mother of the year. Exactly. Uh, but, 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 but that's really um, Margot Robbie's pr- project. I mean, mm-hmm. she's the one that kind of shepherded this thing. You know, it's the Tanya Harding story. But I think Shorsha Ronan's so good in this. I think I think Sally Hawkins. My, my f- personal favorite on this, Sally all Hawkins. of this, yeah. is Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water. But I, I don't I don't think she'll win this. I, I think it'll be Frances McDormand. Yeah. For three billboards, who's won every major award now, leading yeah. up to the. I Oscars. appreciate. It. I, I think it was her SAG speech that she said. You know, there, there. I appreciate this. This is awesome. Maybe it was Golden Globes, but, um, but there are a lot of young ones coming up. So let's let's keep them in mind. And that was. I thought that was a really gracious thing to say. That's because, a gracious thing because she's won an Oscar for right, Fargo, right? Yeah. And and to recognize, you know what, I'm I I have a a long career in this business. Let's let's celebrate the. The next generation, and obviously, you know, with Emma Stone winning last year, that's certainly a young actress that that has won a very a very important award. But um, thought that that was just really great. So there's no but Gal Gadot. In, there's no Gal Gadot in this. That doesn't surprise me. I don't think that people look at Wonder Woman as a as an Oscar winning film. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think the celebration of Wonder Woman is in that it made so much money that it was directed by a woman, Patty Jenkins, and that it. And that it starred a very strong woman in it, and it, yeah. I think and the that story of love yeah, there's a huge satisfaction, and it's okay not to be nominated for that because mm-hmm. that had its own right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's go to the next one. Let's go to best actor: uh, Timothy Chalamet for "Call Me by Your Name," "Call Me by Your Name," Daniel Day Lewis for "Phantom Thread," Daniel Kaluuya for "Get Out," loved it. Loved "Get it. Out," yeah. Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington for Roman J. Ezreal Esquire. And there's only one guy that's going to win this. I mean, I think this is the shoe in, hands down, Gary Oldman for playing Winston Churchill in in Darkest Hour. But uh, this is a really strong category. I'm looking at Hugh Jackman left out in here. I'm looking at... That doesn't surprise me because I don't think musicals... Like, the fact that La La Land wasn't nominated for as, as many things as it was last year and Ryan Gosling got nominated, I thought it was a little surprised because I don't think musicals normally are considered. Yeah, and last year, La La Land tied the all-time record of 14 right. nominations. Right. Uh, but I thought Tom Hanks... You right. know, I think you could take Denzel out of here and put Tom Hanks in because you, kind of you have two multiple Oscar winners. You can, they're both great. Right. You can trade them out. Right. I think that um, that was actually a little bit of a surprise. I, I really appreciate and love that Timothy Chalamet was, was nominated for Call Me By Your Name. I, you know, we, we talked about that film last week and... And I I really love that. I think it's a really beautiful performance. I haven't seen Phantom Thread yet. I've heard lots about it and that it's very... Daniel Day-Lewis's last film. And, well, yeah. supposedly. Um, yes, you're probably right. Yeah. And <laughs> no, I mean, uh, that does not surprise me at all. Uh, I'm thrilled for Get Out. I'm thrilled for this guy. And the more I think about Get Out, the better it gets. I didn't start including it in best... But I think anybody who puts it in their best 10 or mm-hmm. best 5... Um, it's it's pretty thrilling. It's also got a Best Picture nomination. But that scene where he sits there under hypnosis and just cries, just yeah. has those it's tears incredible. come down. And he's a British actor? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they hide their accents so well. Yeah. That's yeah, really great. Uh, I would have almost nominated, or I think on the edge of the bubble, I love the kid in Baby Driver. 
I think he's so good. As a lead, though? I don't know. Would that be a lead or a supporting? A supporting. I don't know. I, don't I think know. he's the, he's baby he's, driver. It, yeah, it's, it's his story. He's but. driving that baby bus. But anyway, yeah. Let's go uh, Best Supporting <laughs> Actress. Let's look at that one. That's Mary J. Blige for Mudbound. Allison Janney for I, Tonya. Man, that's two nom- acting nominations for that difficult little film. Leslie Manfield from Fran- Phantom Thread that plays the, uh, I think that's the sister. And uh, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. And Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. And I'm thrilled with that. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have no problems with any of this list. There are two in here. It's Allison Janney or Laurie Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, for both of them playing moms that are di- difficult. Difficult moms. So it, it brings up this discussion is if you really are, who's the more difficult mom? Is that the showier performance that's the best? Or is it? You know, because I, I look at Laurie Metcalf in this, and I think Allison Janney's going to win this. Mm-hmm. But Laurie Metcalf, to me, it's a more nuanced performance. It's, it's got it's got more variations mm-hmm. uh, for an actress. Well, she yes, I think that just in the two different personalities, like Laurie Metcalf, she was very difficult, strong mother, but she also loved her daughter. Yeah, I don't think that Tanya Harding's mother. In this portrayal, as Allison Janney did, cared about that child one at all. <laughs> I, you at know, all, there was no love there. Right, and they're both great. And I really, I'm saying this honestly. I think Allison Janney will win, and probably should win. Because yeah. the more you watch that film, I mean, you look at her, and that, this woman has been in movies for years and yes. years, and very famous on She's television. Fantastic. Wasn't she in Big Night? Wasn't she yes, the girl? She was, she was the she flower was. girl. She was. She was the flower girl. Oh, that, that's one of my favorite. So left out of this, I think you could have looked at Holly Hunter making this mm-hmm. list possibly for uh, big the big sick. sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a little girl uh, and she's tiny. I want to say she's seven years old in the Florida Project. That's going to win a bunch of Independent Spirit Awards. But man, that girl is so good, and she she could have been in there. So finally, supporting actor Willem Dafoe for the Florida Project, Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards. I love that he got nominated. Richard Jenkins. The more you watch The Shape of Water, the more you think about how mm-hmm. great he is. Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, a film we haven't seen, and he filled in at the last minute when they Spacey. actually literally cut um, Kevin Spacey out Kevin Spacey out and reshot those scenes. And then mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And I think Sam Rockwell's your winner this year. Mm-hmm. I think he wins this. I'm just thrilled for Woody Harrelson and Richard Jenkins and Willem Dafoe, who's been nominated for that, that little Florida Project movie. Uh, Army Hammer's the big leave out yeah. for me. I think Army Hammer should have been nominated. I would have put him in there over Christopher Plummer, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I think he should have. And then finally, you know, but, yeah. I'm almost wondering, like, was that a? Well, I know that's not how the Academy works, but it's like, did did he get a? Hey, thanks for thanks for being the hero and stepping in and making this film great. You know, it's like, did they get did they throw him a little bone because he like saved the day? Could be, and I, you know, the surprises always happen in the supporting categories, mm-hmm. either in the nominations and sometimes the winner because that's where they honor or give something to somebody who's been working for a long time right. and and uh, that might push them over the edge to win, but. You know, I, I do think it's Sam Rockwell's been in movies for years, yeah. and he's always good. He's great in a little film called Moon, yeah, a little tiny film. Absolutely. He's great in The Way Way Back. We loved Way Way Back. We loved it was way, such way a back. it was such an odd part for him, yeah. and he did so good. But he's always serving films, and, and I I think that'll be really fun to to watch him win. So um, let's look at there was one yeah. other the the dad that was in Call Me by Your Name. So thank you for bringing that up because I I, I would also take. One of these out possibly and put in uh, Michael, Michael Stuhlman. Stuhlman. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. I'm trying to say his name right. 
who's also in the shape of water. Right. And but he and then the, the post. But he is so great in this and that speech at the end of the movie, it's a father-son dialogue, but he he tells his son how much he loves him and to live his life as he wants to live his life is one of the best moments in the history of movies between fathers and sons. Yeah. It's it's that I you can pull that scene out and put it in front of anybody and there won't be a dry eye in the house yeah. because it's honest and it's it tells the truth. And I, it's a story of love instead of denial and a story of love instead of instead of suppression and it's it's you know, go and be who you are and and own it. And, and can we just celebrate can it. we just get all these people who are against the you know the LBG, how, how many letters do we have on it? LBGTRXYZ, <laughs> the movement. Can we just? But get, it's it's they, not even about that. It's just about. I the, want them to see the scene, but it won't change their life. But it's it's not. It's it, it doesn't even it's an understanding. It's it's an under. It's a uh, it's allowing. It's allowing a parent to let their child be whatever they want to be. It's it's the same kind of scene for every every parent that that tells their art. You know, their child that wants to be an artist. Yeah. That you know you're supposed to be a doctor. I mean, it's that it's that you know what? No, let your child be an artist. No, let your child follow his dreams. Let your child love who he loves. Let yeah. your let let your children be who they are instead of trying to to shame them and mold them into something that that they're not. Right? Because they'll never they'll never they'll they'll never be satisfied. They'll never be any joy in their life. Can, that's can we just get do. Vice President Mike Pence to watch this movie <laughs> and just to have a dialogue about it? No, probably not. Because in in this father's eyes you can't pray that away right it's ridiculous yeah come on come on um and can we go can we move yeah let's let's so best picture and director you know you have nine best picture nominees and and, and but you only have five director nominees so right. they're never going to match up right but call me by your name we love that film darkest hour that's a little bit of a surprise but it's a really good film dunkirk get out that's it's awesome that that film is in there yes uh lady bird we love that phantom thread the post the shape of water three billboards I think the only film probably left out in there is probably the Big Sick. Maybe Big Sick got an original screenplay nod, and so, I was, yeah. that was good to see. But yes, that's not. And you know what was also left out? What Oakjaw? I loved Oakjaw. Oakjaw. Again, such a, a discussion of the world we're living in right now. And would and you put that in? Would show. you put that in foreign language? I don't. No, I don't no, know because it was mostly in English. Yeah, it's. I just think that it was film from South Korea. It. It's it kind of got overlooked in, in everything, but I thought it was a, a really beautiful and very important film and a Good film call. that that you know made you stop eating pork, which I, <laughs> I appreciate. Wait, this is a big moment on our podcast. <laughs> Gary's not eating pork. Gary saw Okja and <laughs> stopped eating pork. pork. I did. Um, like that that Aaron Sorkin got nominated for screenplay because man, Molly's game is just fast and furious mm-hmm. with the words, but you know that might have gotten in there. Yeah. I think the director this year is probably Guillermo del Toro for yeah, The Shape of Water. Shape, Shape of Water's got 13 nominations. I think the next is seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's the film to beat for Best Picture. It's a, I it's love a mixed that, breed of films yeah, this year. I love that Greta Gerwig did get nominated for director. Thank you. Thank, if she hadn't have, I think that there might have been... The a, fifth female right. ever Good nominated. Movie. And one has won, and that would be for um, um, Zero Dark Thirty. Yes. Uh, or no, the other one before Zero Dark Thirty. But that Catherine Bigelow, Bigelow. thank yeah. you. Yes, for the other, what's the one? Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Yes. yes. Who, yeah. And and like that, Jordan Peele got nominated for Get Out. I love that because he wrote that also, yeah. right? Yeah. 
I mean, that's a that's a that's a big nomination. Mm-hmm. You know, that really moves Get Out up into the top five with his nomination there. Dunkirk could have won it any other year. I think Lady Bird's one of those movies that in a smaller year would have been. Right. But to me, it's the shape. I'm glad the Post got nominated. Spielberg did not, and and Luke Giardino for Call Me by Your Name did not get nominated. And uh, you'd have to take one of these directors out there, um, maybe. And three billboards director did not mm-hmm. get nominated, and that's been winning a lot of awards. So uh, for me, for me, it's it's really all about. And we'll do it more when we get near the Oscars. But it's The Shape of Water for me. Yes. Love that film. Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. That was fun, Gary. I can't wait. Wouldn't that fun? <laughs> is there an is there an official? And. There... And scene. Oh, so let's talk. Let's talk wines for a minute. I was well. So- last year there was an official. Was, there's always an official like wine or champagne for the Oscars. Yes. Yeah. So we just received the announcement a couple days ago. Also, at least um, from my lovely my lovely folks in the industry, that Piper Heidsick has once again for the fourth year in a row. Wow. Be, um, partnered with the Academy f- to become the official champagne of the Oscars. Um, it will be. Port exclusively at the Oscar luncheon and backstage at the awards show and at the governor's ball. And so we're going to see a lot of Piper Heidsick, which is awesome. One of the oldest classic um, champagne houses. It's their brute cuvee that will be poured. Um, they've created these beautiful magnums. I'll have a picture on our, on our website. They do uh, some artwork. On they them. do a really lovely presentation um, of all these bottles. I, I'm pretty sure all of them are in magnum also. And this year kind of it's a, as it's the 90th award show They're they're kind of doing a, a nod to classic Hollywood. It's a kind of art deco uh, presentation that they've wrapped the bottle in with this gold kind of, filigree and it it looks really pretty it's a it's a really nice um celebration i think of nostalgia as well as as you know modern day okay for the for the novice out there a magnum is two bottles yes yes it's it's 1.5 it's a large format bottle (laughs) 1.5 then they get really big up up after that yes they do and there's some about the coppola and then coppola was also um has also partnered again um they did a partnership both with sundance so right now Mm -hmm. if you're at sundance you're drinking a lot of coppola as well as with the academy of motion picture arts and sciences this is the second year that they have partnered with um, the Academy to become the official still wines. So, again, everything that will be poured at the Governor's Ball and all the exciting um, lead-up events around the Oscars will be um, Francis Ford Coppola's wines. And there are some, I know that their winemaker kind of worked with with their marketing team to create some very specific um, kind of Oscar Oscar bottles, so I'll the drink labels that. are all fun. I'll and, drink both yes, those. I'm, I'm hoping that we'll actually get a couple in the next few days, so we can we can see the presentations live. Hey, nice job today. That was fun. It's always fun doing a podcast with you. Oh, by the way, we leave together and live together. So, it's, <laughs> so <yeah>. that's why. <laughs> next time on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. More new films arriving in local theaters with wines to match, and of course, stories to tell. <laughs> For more on the films and the wines we talked about today, please check out our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through Facebook. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.